May I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. God has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. So wrote Cardinal John Henry Newman. Today's celebration is very much a link in the chain of which Newman speaks. Each and every one of us, with strengths and weaknesses, with gifts and talents bestowed on us by God's grace, is part of that legacy of faith and faithfulness, past, present, and yet to be. It's hard for me to believe that Stephen and I have been friends for 30 years now, and that I would have the privilege of being in the pulpit of this, my home parish, on the occasion of his installation as rector and dean. It is a great privilege. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Bishop Andrew, for this invitation. I'd like to tell you about Effie. Effie Healy. She was one of those eccentric characters, one of those unique links in the chain of faith that we seem to somehow find in the life of the church. At the age of about 92, Effie decided that the ceiling in the large kitchen of her old house in Nova Scotia's Annapolis Valley needed to be replaced. Effie called in a contractor. He arrived and reviewed the job, and she questioned him every single step of the way. How will you do this? How will you do that? What material will you use? And most importantly, how much will it cost? He no sooner left than she phoned her parish priest, Stephen Vale, now I know how to do the job, she said, and not being one to waste money, didn't she go out, buy the materials, climb the ladder, and do the work herself? <laughs> I think Stephen's job was to hold the ladder so Effie wouldn't fall. <laughs> Although separated in age by about 60 years, with very different experiences of the world, one grew up before television, the other in the age of computers. Stephen and Effie were in many ways kindred spirits. They laughed together, ate together, cried together, they prayed together. They were friends, and their friendship was real, and it was good, and it was grounded in their friendship with Jesus Christ. I share this with you today because it tells us a lot, not just about a wonderful, eccentric old woman, but also about a faithful priest. Stephen delights in people of every walk of life. Those of us who know him well know his keen ability to listen and to discern, to affirm, to question, to advise all in a spirit of love and charity. 
we know his deep passion for the gospel and his efforts to seek God's presence in every situation. We know, too, his charm and his quick, wonderful, sometimes over-the-top sense of humor, all in spite of the fact that he calls himself the poor boy from Nova Scotia. Stephen, you are a person with many, many gospel-centered gifts. And what a blessing that is to your family, to your friends, and to the church. But many, if not most of you, probably don't know that one time, Stephen was actually going to be a dentist. This came in very handy on a trip to Europe early in the years of his ordained life. Stephen was seated on a train next to one of those chatty kinds of people we have all met. The inevitable question was asked by this new traveling companion, what is it you do for a living? Well, I think many of us here today know the occasional danger of disclosing oneself as a member of the clergy in such a situation. It can lead to a rather exhausting journey with more details of a stranger's life than we need while on holiday. I'm training to be a dentist, replied Stephen. All was well until sometime a little later in the journey, the woman's filling fell out. <laughs> At least you're here, what should I do? Stephen looked in her mouth carefully and said, I suggest you go to the nearest dentist when you get to your destination. <laughs> Stephen, we are glad you didn't become a dentist, though you no doubt would have been a very good one. Whenever we celebrate a festival of Mary, as we do today, we celebrate one who was specially chosen by God, one who said yes to God's coming in the flesh to show us what real life looks like. But don't you think the angel Gabriel has rather a lot to answer for? He comes and interrupts what we might imagine to be the ordinary routine of life, at first, Mary is troubled by his words. Who can blame her? God does have a way of turning up in unexpected places and people, in strange and in very ordinary ways. That requires some kind of response. More often than not, an attentiveness, a presence, a settling in, much in the way Mary was present and responsive to the Spirit of God. She pondered these things in her heart. Notice the words of the angel Gabriel in the Gospel. The Lord is with you. Not the Lord was with you, or the Lord will be with you. The Lord is with you. What incredible things can happen when we recognize the presence of God in every aspect of life. It doesn't mean things will be easy. Mary's yes is a very daring and courageous response. She is totally open and totally vulnerable. So we see in her 
the grace of humility. Let it be to me according to your word. But not just humility, also its complementary opposite, the virtue of magnanimity, greatness of soul, that virtue which compels the soul to do great things. She is the favored one. There are traditions about Mary's birth, that Joachim and Anne in their old age were miraculously granted the gift of a child, that she was presented in the temple, placed by the high priest on the third step of the altar, and the Lord poured grace upon her. Any celebration of Mary is the recognition of her as a key link in God's plan of salvation. She is joined to God with her whole being, body, and soul. We celebrate in her one who has been chosen to the specific vocation of bearing God, both in her being and beyond it, out and into the world. The 8th century bishop and theologian Andrew of Crete says this about Mary's birth. In her, a shrine has been built for the creator of the universe. The creature is newly made ready as a divine dwelling for the creator. And one of the truly remarkable things is that she never lets that go to her head. Mary constantly turns the attention from herself to the God who acted in this way. Humility and magnanimity. She did not know that it would lead to the foot of the cross, and isn't that a mark of her faith and her courage, that even if she did not know that her heart would be pierced, she was prepared to do as she was bidden. Mary is very much like Abram and Sarah in the book of Genesis, who left the security of home and went out in faith, not knowing the way yet trusting that God was somehow in control of the situation. What Abraham was to the ancient Israel of God, Mary becomes for the new Israel, the church, the example of obedient, courageous faith, humility and magnanimity. Mary knew and understood the hardships of life and the sacrifice of faithfulness, there is a very real sense in which the swaddling clothes of the manger are a preface to the shroud of the tomb. The new society Jesus initiates, the society which we can say had a new birth in the birth of Mary, would mean the death of the old order. That's very painful, for the old dies very hard. But in Mary the God-bearer, we see the new creation in the courageous, gentle love of a mother, a mother who lays the foundation of personality, one who is always there to listen, to encourage, to rebuke, to nurture. That is the love of a mother for a child, and that is why Mary is the model for vocation. Today reminds us that we are to give birth to a faith like hers, 
we who are the spiritual heirs of Mary, are also called to be bearers of the word, to say yes to the God who is able to do extraordinary things. It is our God who takes nothing and makes something, who takes nowhere and makes it somewhere, who takes no one and makes them someone. It is our God who takes our broken, messed up humanity and makes of it an occasion of grace for the building up of the kingdom. One of the things we are often asked as clergy is to articulate a vision for the church. I don't know what Stephen's particular answer to the question was in his interview process, but as we spoke together ahead of this service, he had some important things to say. Bloom where you are planted. Ministry is incarnational. Jesus out and on the move. In order to embrace, we must extend our arms. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we also say, let my kingdom go. Those of you who have been in this pulpit will know the words that face the preacher. We would see Jesus. That was Mary's vocation, and of course, it is ours. And in Stephen, we do have a faithful friend to help us along the way. At the entrance to this church, there is a plaque created by the late Sidney Watson, artist and longtime member of this parish. It reads, We who minister and worship here welcome you to this cathedral. May it speak to you not only of the crafts and skills of people, but of the splendor and mercy of God in whom we live and move and have our being. Thanks be to God for all those who have been faithful, faithful to keep this community true to the spirit of welcome and of hope that is rooted in Christ himself. May it continue to be so, the Lord being our helper. Amen.